made everything and who rules over everything. What you have made speaks to us of you. It tells us of your power, your wisdom, and your generosity in providing so richly for us through what you have made. Your creation is beautiful, majestic, it's wonderful. You made it and you sustain it. You tell us in your word that you know every detail of your creation. You care even for the smallest of birds. You know the number of hairs on our heads. You're a God not just of majesty and power. You're a God of love and care. A God who knows us. A God who has not simply made us and all things but one who loves us intimately. We know that while you have made all things and they are wonderful, yet what you have made is also fallen, Lord God. Your creation and we ourselves have been spoiled by sin, our sin, so that what we see when we look around us and when we look at our own lives, is marred and warped. It is no longer good in the way that it was when you made it in the beginning. And we must confess that to you. We must tell you that we are sorry for it, for spoiling what you have made and for going against you in the way that we live and in what we are. Forgive us, we pray. Thank you for Jesus. In him, we see you much more clearly than in creation. In him, you sent the one who would deal with our sin, who would remake your spoiled creation, who would bring new life to a world where death and decay had come as a result of sin. Thank you for his work. Thank you for his perfect life, for his death in our place, a sacrifice for sin, that he opened up the way to you, to forgiveness and to life, for all who will turn from sin and put their trust in him as Savior and Lord. You have given us not only a beautiful world to live in, but in your beloved Son, one to save that creation and us from sin. And today we give you thanks. We give you thanks for all you have given but above all, we give you thanks for him. And we confess our need of him in everything. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you would work in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would accept the worship that we bring to you because you are worthy of it all and so much more. We ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. We read together in God's Word as it's found in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 16. Uh, you'll find that I'm, I'm reading in the New International Version and in the version that I'm reading it's on page 195, page 195, Deuteronomy chapter 16 and we're going to read from verse 9 until the end of verse 17. This is God's word. It's telling us about some of the, the festivals that the Old Testament people of God were told to celebrate by God. And as we read of them, uh, we will read firstly what they are, but we, we, we'll learn some things too about why they were told to do these things. And as we think about it a little later in the service, we'll see that uh, the reasons people were told to celebrate them are reasons for us to celebrate God's goodness in our day as the New Testament people of God, the people who live after Christ, just as God's people who lived before Christ were to celebrate and give thanks to him as well. So we read in Deuteronomy chapter 16, and we begin at verse 9. This is the word of God. Count off seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing corn. Then celebrate the feast of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons and daughters, your men servants and maidservants, the Levites in your towns, and the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows living among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. Celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce of your threshing floor and your wine press. Be joyful at your feast. You, your sons and daughters, your menservants and maidservants, and the Levites, the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days celebrate the feast to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. We end there at the end of verse 17. And we ask God to bless his word to us. Amen. I'm going to ask the young people if you would come up to the front for a few minutes, please. 
Now, can you all get can you all get a space somewhere around the front? Lovely, because I, I need you to be at the front because I wouldn't like anybody to be at the back and to miss out what I have for you this morning. That would be dreadful because I've been here now about maybe half five or six times, I can't remember, and I think this is probably the first time I've brought anything to give to you. Now, can you see what I have here? Let me see if I can hold them all here like this. Can you see what's in the boxes? What have I got? What's in this one here? Chocolate. Now, that's milk chocolate, okay. And what's in the one beside it? Can you see the difference? Dark chocolate. What's in this one here? Grapes. And what's in that end one? Marshmallows. So we've got, we've got milk chocolate, dark chocolate, grapes, and marshmallows. Okay, now I want you to think really hard for a minute, okay? I want you to think which one you're going to take, okay? Because there's no right answer and there's no wrong answer here, okay? You can take one of whichever you want and... Mm, you might even be able to take two marshmallows, okay? That'll be okay, because they're small. Okay, so I'm going to start at this end, and I'm going to work my way across, but I want you to think very carefully which one you're going to take, okay? What are you thinking? I want you to think about which one is your favorite, and when you get it, you can eat it, okay? Now, because I don't want the chocolate melting in your hand, that wouldn't be a good thing. So when you get it, you can eat it, okay? Are you thinking about which one you're going to... Who's got their minds made up of what you're going to take? More or less everybody. If you haven't decided, that's all right. As long as you've decided by the time I reach you. Now, you can go first. Okay. Thank you. Ooh. Do you want another one? Another one of those? Good girl. Good man. You don't like any of those. I'm sorry you don't like them. Go ahead, girls. Is there a girl over there? Is that, is, I see two girls down there. I, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to walk down that direction. Now, I'm not sure I can go around everybody who hasn't come up to the front. But... Okay. Is there a, if anybody thinks I've missed them, put your hand up. Because... I'm only going to eat these on the way home if you don't take them. And that would be a bad thing. Anybody else who feels... Now, I'm, I'm going to have an age cut-off point somewhere. <laughs> but if there's anybody who feels that somebody else needs... Just wave your hand. And feel free to wave your hand on behalf of somebody else. No. Not for this man. Did you get two there, did you? Good girl. Nobody else? Now, if, if you're upstairs, I think you're just beyond my range. 
But if you're upstairs and you feel you've been missed out, come and see me at the end of the service. Is there one more, Cody? I think Matthew. Is that? No. Matthew, Matthew's daddy can, can bring him up at the end, if that's all right. And so, so, I'm going to stop there. I'm sorry about that. And, and I hope I haven't offended anybody. But my, my coverall is if you feel you've missed out, come at the end, okay? And if you don't come at the end, I'm eating them on the way home. Now, did you think about what your favourite would be? Did you think about what you were going to choose? Who chose milk chocolate? Most of you did. In fact, I've only one very small piece of milk chocolate left. I was worried. You can put your hands down now. I was worried I was going to run out of milk chocolate. Who chose dark chocolate? Some of you, not too many, I have to tell you, dark chocolate's my favourite. Who chose grapes? Three of you chose grapes. And who chose marshmallows? Just yourself. And and you had a friend somewhere down the congregation. I think that girl there chose. Was it tasty? Did you enjoy it? Good, good. I want to ask you another question, but I don't want you to put your hand up for this answer, okay? Because you see these four things here. I hope, I hope it was a wee bit of a treat for you to get those. And I, don't, I hope you're not expecting whoever's at the front every Sunday to bring you sweeties and chocolate. That, that, that'd be a wee bit too much. But I hope you enjoyed them and I hope it was a bit of a treat. But here's the question I want to ask you. And I want you to think about it, but I don't want you to answer it or put your hand up. Okay? I want you to think about how many of you said thank you. Now, don't answer. Because I I was listening as I went along and some of you said thank you, didn't you? And one or two, I'm sure, these things are so exciting. And it's so brilliant to get these in church that sometimes when something as exciting as as that happens, we can forget to say thank you. Now, I don't mind. Don't, don't, Don't worry about that. Not today. But the reason I'm asking you that is, see when you look around the church today, this is a special Sunday, isn't it? Who knows what Sunday it is that's special? It's harvest. It is harvest. And it's harvest. There's another word we say after harvest sometimes. It's harvest thanksgiving. Harvest thanksgiving. This is the day that we especially come to God and we say, thank you for all of the things that you have given us. See all of the food, all of the flowers, all of the beautiful things that we have. See the fruit there? There's lovely flowers about. And we come and we say, thank you God for all of the things that you give us. But sometimes, just sometimes, We're so excited by what God has given us that we forget to say thank you. And that's why we have this in church every year, every year to remind us that God is always giving us things and we are always getting them from God. And the biggest thing that God has given us is Jesus, his son. And we say thank you to God more than anything for Jesus. And how do we do that? We say thank you by saying thank you. But we say thank you by showing 
we're thankful to God. Just as God gave Jesus for us, Jesus gave his life for us, we live our lives for Jesus. That's how we show our thanks to God. So, I hope you enjoyed your milk chocolate, your dark chocolate, your grape, or your marshmallows. And you got two marshmallows as a, as a bonus because they're a wee bit small. I hope you enjoyed them. But I hope as you took them and you've... Who, who's, who hasn't finished them yet? Aren't they all gone? Yeah, all gone. Don't last long, sure they don't. Couldn't you eat another bit? Yeah, you'll have, you'll have to wait till you get home for that after your dinner. Okay? But remember how God is always giving us good things and how he gave Jesus for us. And think to yourself, just as I said to you, who said thank you? Think to yourself, have I said thank you to God for Jesus? And have I shown God how much I'm thankful for Jesus by giving my life to him and living for him? Because that's what being a Christian is. Someone who's given their life to Jesus. And if you haven't done that yet, you can do that today. You can say, Lord Jesus, take my life and help me to live for you because you lived and died for me. And I want to do that, to say thank you for all you have done for me. We're going to close our eyes and we'll talk to God and we will say thank you for all that he has done for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to this earth and you died for us on the cross, that you have given your life for us. <coughs> Help us to be so thankful for that, that we want to live for you, to give our lives to you as we live each day, to have you as our master, as our friend, as the one who forgives us our sins and makes us your children. Thank you for everything that you give to us. Thank you for the clothes that we're wearing. Thank you for the food that we eat each day. Thank you for houses that we live in that are warm and comfortable and keep us dry and out of the wind. Thank you for comfortable beds to sleep in at night, for being able to get washed each day, for clean, fresh water to drink, and that when we open the fridge, there's lots of food in it. Thank you for all of that. We know that those are things that actually you give to us because you're a good God, kind to us. We say thank you today. And we pray that you would help us every day to show that we are thankful for all that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, do you go back to your seats before we sing, or do you stay here? Stay here? That's okay. We're going to sing all things bright and beautiful. And then do you, do you go out to, to Sunday school after that? Good stuff. Well, I hope you enjoy that today, and you learn lots about the Lord Jesus. We're going to sing now.
Now the, the choir is going to lead us as they sing the piece, "'Tis Harvest Time Across the Fields of Ireland."
that we would give them physical strength and also compensation as they operate machinery and work of life, God. We thank you for them and all that they provide which we benefit from. And we thank you for those who are employed in food production and in processing and in distribution. We rely on what they do while realizing that ultimately you are the giver. We think you of those who are on these shores who do not have the plenty that we do. We have seen just in this past day the devastation that has been caused in Florida. We have been watching these past number of months as the war in Ukraine has unfolded. We have seen these things so clearly and we realize that especially with the war in Ukraine, there have been effects of that right across the globe. So we pray, dear God, that you would bring peace in that region. We pray that you would work in the hearts and minds of the leaders in that area, not least Vladimir Putin, who has initiated this war. And we pray that you would turn him from, that he would see the error of his ways, that he would ultimately repent before you, and that by your grace you would work in his heart, and that by that work the consequences would be an end Remembering that you are the great giver, receive our thanks and answer our prayers according to your will.
Can I say a word of thanks to David for the kind welcome uh, to be here and, and to share in your service today. I want to, to echo what he said and, and to say uh, a word of encouragement, I hope, to the folks who are responsible for decorating your meeting house. Uh, it looks particularly well, and in doing so, it points us very clearly to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God our giver, because all of the things that we see around us are part of creation, and they point us to the Creator. Word of thanks to, uh, in spite of my best attempts to only allow you to sing two pieces, Margaret, rather than three, uh, many thanks uh, for the work you have put in along with the choir for leading us in our praise today. Thank you for that. I hope you're, you're able to be a wee bit less nervous now than you were at the start of the service, and those three bits are now over. Thank you so much for that. There's a story told, and I'm pretty sure it's not true, about an atheist who went out hunting one day in the Rocky Mountains of America. It had been a slow day, and he hadn't found any game to shoot. Suddenly, he heard a noise behind him. He whirled round, and he saw two ferocious-looking bears coming straight for him. Quickly, he raised his rifle to his shoulder. He took aim, and he pulled the trigger. Click. Nothing. The rifle had misfired. He reloaded and he fired again. Click, click, click. Again, nothing. The gun just wasn't working. By this time, the bears were almost on top of him. So in desperation, he threw down his rifle and he ran as fast as he could. But the faster he ran, the closer the bears got. Finally, the hunter came to the edge of a cliff where he had nowhere else to go. He dropped to his knees and he began to pray. He didn't believe in God, but he thought this wasn't a bad time to start. So he said, oh God, although I don't believe in you, I ask you to make these bears Christian bears. He opened his eyes and he looked up amazed to see the bears kneeling in prayer just a few feet away. And as he listened, he heard one bear pray, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Being thankful to God is a good thing, and it's a Christian thing to do, even for bears. And that's what we do, especially at this time of year. We thank God for what he has given to us and what he has provided for us through the harvest. And we have our way of doing it. We come and we have a particular weekend of worship, and that's what you're doing this weekend. We decorate our church buildings, pointing us to what God has provided. We sing on that theme. God's people has been, have been thanking him for what they have received from him for many years. 
And I don't just mean the hundreds of years that's been happening in this denomination and in your congregation. We've been doing it for thousands of years, right away back into the Old Testament where we read from earlier. We read from Deuteronomy chapter 16. And there we see how God told the people of Israel that they were to gather three times each year to give thanks to him for what he had provided. And the one that corresponds most closely with our harvest thanksgiving is the last one that we read about there, the Feast of Tabernacles. Then the people were told to celebrate their harvest in a very unusual way. They were to go and live in tents for a week. Now, that might be a wee bit impractical for us, especially if you think about the storm and the winds that we had on Friday night. But the Lord had a good reason for telling them to do that. He wanted them to remember how he had provided for them in the past when they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And during those 40 years, they had lived in tents. If you think about it, deserts are some of the most inhospitable places in the world. Very little can grow in a desert, can live in it for any length of time. There's almost nothing to eat. There's very little water. But the people of Israel, and they consisted of 600,000 men plus women and children. They traveled through the desert for 40 years. Now, it's easy to miss the importance of that. 600,000 men plus women and children, you're talking roughly there of somewhere close to 2 million people. I don't know whether you picked up some of the headlines from the recent census just last week or the week before, but it said that there are now just under 2 million people in Northern Ireland. Can you imagine all of the people in Northern Ireland living in a desert for 40 years? Can you imagine what all the people in Northern Ireland eat each week? Can you imagine what we as a congregation eat in a week? What we bring home from the supermarkets each week? What we put away into the cupboards and the fridge and the freezer? And what we get out and what we eat each week? And can you imagine the whole country doing that? And can you imagine all of those people living in a desert and looking for something to eat where there are no supermarkets, no takeaways, no taps, no fridges to go and lift out a tin of Diet Coke and take it home for the lunch tomorrow? Yet, that's what the Lord provided for 2 million people for 40 years in a desert. Is it little wonder that the Lord told the people to go back once each year for a week to live in those tents to remember what he provided for them in the desert? I want to think about that just for a few minutes today and see what God says they're to do at their harvest festival and to see how it applies to us 
at our harvest festival, our harvest thanksgiving. God says they're to do at least three things that apply to us today. They're to celebrate, they're to give, and they are to remember. First of all, they're to celebrate. When we look at those verses that we read in Deuteronomy chapter 16, we can see on quite a number of occasions the Lord tells them that they are to celebrate. Many of us, I'm sure, look forward to holidays. We do things and we have time for things that we don't normally have on our holidays. We do things that we consider relaxing, enjoyable, fun. But one of the things that people might not realize today is that holidays started out as holy days. That's where the name comes from. Now, if we were to ask people today if holidays are the same as holy days, I reckon they would think there's a fair bit of difference. Holidays, they're for relaxing, having fun, as I've just said. But holy days, I think in the mind of most people, they would be about serious faces and somber clothes, about hushed and reverent tones, maybe a smile, but not a laugh or a chuckle. The two in the minds of most people today would be totally different. But when you go back to the Old Testament, everyone knew that holidays and holy days were one and the same thing. Often the word that keeps coming up in relation to these festivals that God tells his people to mark is the word celebrate. In that chapter that we read in Deuteronomy 16 about those festivals, they're told to celebrate time and time again, to rejoice, to be joyful at the feast. Them, their families, everybody who works for them, everyone in the whole community, right down to the migrant workers who lived there. They're to make sure that they're involved in the celebration as well. The holy days of the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles are to be joyous, lively, relaxing things where they're to rejoice before the Lord. They're to have fun in their families and community. They're to truly celebrate because their holy days were holidays. Now the world around us today has lost this. The world around us today has no comprehension that God in his goodness is to be celebrated. That we can have real joy as we think about what he has given us. And it's the world that's missing out on this. Because for the world so often, they can only count something as being a a proper celebration when they wake up the next day with a sore head. Yet for us, for you and me who are inside church today, it's easy to point the finger at people who aren't. 
they can be a soft target to stop us thinking about ourselves. For us here today, the more important question is, how much do we celebrate God? We have the trappings of celebration around us. But in our hearts, in our lives, how much do we celebrate God? How much do we rejoice in our lives in what God is and has done for us? In the harvest that he has shared with us? But much more importantly, Sunday by Sunday as we gather here deliberately on the first day of the week because it marks the resurrection of Jesus and we celebrate the Lord's day because that's the day when he rose from the grave and he gives that same new life to all who will turn to him and trust in him. That new life do we celebrate as we live each day? The life of our Savior? Does the world look at us and hear what we say about him but see something very different as we live each day and as we come to church each week? I want to ask us that question here in church today. Does what God has done for us cause us to be joyful? Restore to me, O Lord, the joy of my salvation. Let's celebrate what the Lord has given to us here in these material things, but the life that comes only to people who trust in Jesus. Life that is eternal and life in all its fullness. Called to celebrate. Called, secondly, to give. We're to give to the Lord as part of our harvest thanksgiving. You'll see it there in verses 16 and 17. No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord has blessed you. For some the thought of having to give at these celebrations might seem like a bit of a catch. And for some quite genuinely, where things are financially difficult, this will cause a thought. There will be years when the harvest will not be good for those who work in the land, where the weather will be unfavorable, where there won't be enough rain during the summer period to make the grass grow and even in this land that is known for being green the fields will look maybe a little bit brown or yellow because everybody knows there hasn't been enough rain and so the crops will be diminished as a result whether arable crops or the grass that needs that rain to keep it fresh there will be years when the harvest will not be good for those who work in the land, where the weather will be unfavorable, where the yield will be down, where disease will be rife in a farm. This year, the price of meal is high. Fertilizer was much, much more expensive. Fuel 
has been up for everyone. And that hits those who work in the land all the more because they use so much more of it. There will be years when the price of produce will be poor. And for those who don't work on the land, there can be lean times too. You can't have missed the news saying that the price of electric and gas is going up just a day past and tomorrow. Some people's gas is going up 50%. Inflation is at a level that it hasn't been at for years. Petrol, food, clothes, all of the things that are needed, things that people can't escape, all of it on the back of the COVID pandemic with the war in Europe and massive uncertainty in our world that probably none of us have seen in our lifetimes or at least since the end of the Second World War. These things are true and we do not know what's around the corner. That is inescapable. Yet, yet, Should all of these things being true mean that we don't thank God for what he has given us? Should all of these things being true mean that we shouldn't thank God for the great bounty that we all enjoy, not least compared to those who have nothing? And an expression of that is always to give to the Lord. Because in giving to the Lord... We are returning to him what he has entrusted to us in proportion to the way the Lord has blessed us. This is why we give produce. This is why we have harvest thanksgiving offerings because we return to the Lord what he has entrusted to us. We give to him as we celebrate what he has given to us. But if we're only to give material things, our giving to the Lord will be terribly inadequate. If the Lord had only given to us material things, then us returning to him material things would be adequate. But the Lord has given above all his son Jesus and his life for us on the cross. And if we only return some material things to him and hold back from him our lives then our giving falls so far short because God gave the life of Jesus for us and our only fitting response is to give our lives back to him as we live each day, a living sacrifice just as Jesus was our sacrifice on the cross. Can I ask you today as we celebrate this harvest thanksgiving, Are you here in church today and have you just given that which is easy for you to give to God? Have you put some money in the plate? Are you giving him some material things? And all of that is good. Please don't misunderstand me. My question is this. Have you given Jesus your life in the knowledge that he gave his life for you? If you haven't done that yet, Your response to Jesus is so inadequate.
It doesn't meet what he demands from you. And ultimately you will stand before him and give an account of withholding from him what he demands from you. Can I urge you, if you haven't yet done it, give your life to him today because he has given his life for you in order to save you from your sin. We're called to celebrate and to give, and finally we're called to remember. That's the whole point of the people being told to live in tents for a week, so that they'd remember what God has done for them. You see, for the people of Israel, by the time they get to the promised land, life has changed. They have lived in the desert for 40 years in the tents. But they're living in the desert as the Lord is leading them into the promised land. And the promised land is not the desert. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. You remember how the 12 spies were sent out into the land of Canaan and they brought back these grapes that were so heavy they had to have a man at each side of a pole and the big bunch of grapes in the middle that were so heavy they were weighing down that pole. A land flowing with milk and honey. A rich and fertile land. And when they reach their life is going to change so much for them. They'll no longer have tents, they'll have houses They'll no longer be living in the desert of what the Lord provides for them just to sustain them. They're going to grow crops. They're going to be comfortable. Life will be so much easier, so much better. And that's all good. But then a danger will come that they haven't faced before. The danger will be that those days in the desert will fade in their minds that they'll be forgotten. And the next generation will forget because the next generation will be so busy getting on with this new, better life. They'll be enjoying and busy building these new houses, growing these crops, being comfortable, not having to be pilgrims any longer, but in the promised land. And they'll be too busy and caught up with it to remember how God saved them from Egypt, how he opened the Red Sea and led them out, how he fed them in the desert for 40 years, how he gave them this land that wasn't theirs, that they hadn't worked for, but he had given them because he's a God of grace. That's the danger for them. Human nature doesn't change. Our lives are so much different from the lives of the people of Israel. For us in the 21st century world, the temptation is still to forget about God. It's to think that he's a God of the past, that he doesn't matter for us today. Or if he matters for us today, it's really only for the young people. It's part of their learning and growing up. It's not for adults who are faced with all of the busyness and pressures that we have in life. Whether it's building or keeping a house or a job. Whether it's organizing a family or whatever it happens to be. Life is busy and there's so much going on. We can keep God to Christmas or Easter or harvest. We can send the children and we can come occasionally ourselves. 
it's easy to fall into that way of thinking. But can I say to you, if that describes you, think again. Because to live that way is not only to dishonor the living and almighty God, but it's also actually to waste your life. Living only for things that you can see and touch. Things of this world that will ultimately vanish like the mist in the morning. Things that you will leave behind. And in the same time being so taken up with them that you set aside the living God who has life which is eternal. To put that right, first of all, we must remember what the Lord has done for us materially, but much more spiritually, giving his son Jesus. Remember and respond in gratitude and humility and faith and then give life to him and then celebrate that life in all its fullness. And the funny thing is that when someone does that, anyone does that, the biggest celebration of all isn't here on earth. It's in heaven. Because the Bible says there is rejoicing in heaven when one sinner turns to God and finds life in the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you've given to us. Above all, yourself. You held back nothing from us. And in giving yourself, you have offered to us the gift of life, life in all its fullness. Give us grace this day to take hold of it by taking hold of you. You have blessed us so richly. Forgive us where we are so taken up with the things that you have given that we neglect you, the giver. Help us to be so taken up with you that our lives are driven by serving you in the power of your Spirit, that the things that we have from you are things that cause us to be thankful and are blessings to us. But we know they're entrusted. We know that we are stewards and we know that our purpose is to live for you and bring glory to you because that's the eternal purpose of all believers in Christ. Help us in this, we pray. In your name, amen. We close our service as we sing, Great is thy faithfulness.
Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.